Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello and welcome to Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Ascension Cluett. And today, this, and welcome to Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. On this show, we normally uh, uh, deal with the Deep Blue Sea franchise one chapter at a time. We've done all three of those films. We're now looking at Deep Blue Sea adjacent films, whilst my co-host Mark is on paternity leave. And this week, we are looking at a Deep Blue Sea adjacent film in a Rennie Harlan-directed film, which is The Covenant. What is The Covenant? Well, it's from 2006. It's about four... Uh, high school boys, allegedly, who have magical powers and things go awry. We'll get more into it soon. Sebastian stands in it, Stephen Strait, Taylor Kitsch, among others. I need a guest to talk to help me talk about the Covenant and, you know, Mark's on to leave. But we've got a guest who knows Mark very well. She's returning from talking about all three Deep Blue Sea films and the Deep Blue Sea character draft. Harry Potter can kiss her ass. It's Meg Hoffmeyer. Meg, welcome back <laughs> to the show. Thanks for having me. No problem. How are you doing? How's everything? How's life? You have a child. We do. It's very exciting. She's so cute. We just, you know, we stare at her, watch her breathe and a little bit like a horror movie. No, I'm kidding. She's just so cute. <laughs> we just can't help ourselves. It's kind of like I was telling someone the other day that Jonah Hill, that gif where he's just like freaking out because he's so excited. That's how it is when we look at her. So <laughs> Nice. Well, you, you said we. I, I think is there, there's someone, somebody with you. It, it can't be. Shot sure. is Mark on the podcast. Is Mark back for an episode? Mark, are you here? Oh, I, I can't believe I made it because I was like just engaged in the longest barn fight known to man. This guy, he was part of this other family that you know. I thought there's just four families. Turns out there's five families. He meets me in a barn. My dad had to die. I got a lot of powers. I can throw a lot of orbs. It, it was. You know, I didn't think I could make it. But here I am, and I'm so glad Megan was going to step in for me here. So now we're both here to talk about this beautiful Rennie Harlan movie. And I hope that the cops don't come, because I destroyed a barn. Just blew it up. <laughs> it, it's, so, a, it's an old, decrepit barn. No one's going to miss it. It's fine. If it's an abandoned farm, who cares, really? You're right. You're right. It was, I mean, it, it was very obvious that was where the climax of the film was going to be set when they drive past. It goes, look, there's that creepy barn. No one goes there anymore. <laughs> lingering shot move on with their day <laughs> i gotta tell you there's so many weapons in barns that especially that barn yeah i mean it's like a little barn of horrors it's like twister. if i if i did it all over again if there's a sixth family i'm not barn fighting like i'm not being drawn into a barn fight i'm gonna be drawn into like a Chuck E. cheese ball pit or like a empty warehouse because I just had to dodge seven shovels. Seven. In an abandoned barn. Well, he was on, and he? some pitchforks and some sieves. There's some nasty looking stuff in there. Yeah, Why'd they was... leave all that in an abandoned barn? Also a glowing, floating woman. 
That's in every bar. Oh, wait. I left her there. Um, <laughs> we'll go back. We'll go back after this. How's that sound? I wonder if she's still float. Does she float higher? Is I think it... she's pretty stable. So it's not like a minion in minions that just floats into the space? <laughs> no, 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 I, I see it more like the the coffin from um, Snow White where she's just sort of suspended. and. Got it. Okay. Okay. So, okay, good. So my cousin's not going to float away. That's good. That's good. This is good news. Well, so well, I'm a little nervous now, but you know. <laughs> so uh, when, when we've been looking at these deep with adjacent films, the first question I tend to ask people is, why did they pick this? And I, I feel like I, I have to know my, why, why did you pick the Covenant to come back and talk about? Why did you insist well, on? I picked it because uh, I found out that it was a Rennie Harlan movie, and I said we have to cover that. When did you watch this for the first time? In 06? Um, when it came out? No, I must have. Because upon rewatching, I can't remember anything. <laughs> what was going on? So, it must have been a long time ago. You probably watched The Testament, and then you were like, thinking it was The Covenant. I think I watched The Skulls, and that was... Because <laughs> I kept thinking, wow, this really looks, you know, sort of dark, like The Skulls. Yeah. I bet you I watched a trailer. And but I've seen it now. I mean, I went with it because it's a Harlan movie... It's probably it's it is his lowest rated movie. It had a very iconic trailer too. Yeah, popular trailer. Very, I remember the trailer. I mean, that was huge because of the car falling apart thing. That was they played that over and over. Bunch of young stars. That was really fun to go. I mean, Stephen Strait mm-hmm. of the Expanse, Megan of the Expanse. Yes. Sebastian Stan. So why did I pronounce it like that? Sebastian Stan of Hot Tub Time Machine. Of hot, yeah, Hot Tub Time <laughs> Machine fame. And then I, I got him like. I was, I was reading this earlier that uh, the podcast talked about saying this film is most most notable for starring Chase Crawford of Gossip Girl. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, of all of the characters, all the actors to pick as as this well, being famous for starring. He wasn't even in that yet. Like, so he he was cast in the commentary. We we listened to the commentary. He was cast before Gossip Girl. He was just a surfer bro. And this is before Taylor Kitsch was in Friday Night Lights. Yeah, it was just before. I think in the commentary, Rennie Harlan was saying he was just about to be shown in Friday Night Lights and he saw Taylor Kitsch blowing up. That's great. And, you know, I was reading about this Slash Film interviewed him in a joint interview with the How Did This Get Made episode about this movie. And Rennie Harlan said that he and the casting agent just wanted to cast, like, the hottest dudes of, around. So the, their entire casting call was just find hot dudes for this movie. I mean, he found some pretty good acting people who are now doing pretty great in yeah. Hollywood. Oh, literally everyone in this film is stunning. this is is one of those kind of teen high school films where just everyone is is, there's a a modelling minor to everyone's degree that they're studying for I mean Taylor Kitchen Battleship that's a modern day classic well we love that movie we do but we were watching this and when Taylor Kitch was doing his swimming scene he had a 10 pack he had a 10 pack and also his pecs were like there was a dent that's almost into his ribs it was he was so skinny it was kind of scary him and, like yeah and like rennie harlan jay i don't know how you felt about feel about this but in the commentary rennie was like i just wanted to make an uh, equal male woman film so you know we get the bar the butt shot in the bar and then we get the shower scene with all the guys which rennie harlan had to add digital smoke because a lot of the producers were like there's just tons of buns in this, like, you need to calm this down, Harlan. Like, he had guys in the background during a long conversation showering. He's like, well, I just wanted to make it equal. But they made him put faux steam over everyone's cheeks to uh, prevent audiences from from seeing too much. Yeah, it, it was definitely noticeable that there's, you know, there, there are a couple of scenes of the, the two female characters stripping down to their underwear or going to have a shower. But then, yeah, there's just whole scenes of the guys just in swimming trunks or naked from behind in the in the changing room. So, yes, it was... Very noticeable and fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no problem with that. <laughs> At least Harlan tried to make an equal, yeah, uh, you know, representation movie. As far as yeah. uh, he, he he'd learned from Deep Blue Sea about not not doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so then he added this, and, and also Jay. This movie has a twenty million dollar budget. It's shot in Montreal during the winter, and it was supposed to be summer, but. I, and it constantly flooded, and there was always mud pits, Meg. And I remember he was talking about how there's always mud pits, and they had to always change locations. So they had to keep constantly change locations. Rain decimated them when they were shooting. But 
he adds so many neat visuals to this 20 million like if if Hank Jablonski shot this and directed it it would not it would look flat but Rennie adds so much life to mm-hmm. a not a great story <laughs> he, he found some ways to make it look interesting like the beginning when when he jumps off the cliff when she's in the bathroom and oh, oh Sarah Sarah's in the bathroom and she's just taking a shower and she's walking through I was like that is a really stunning looking bathroom does <laughs> not be at a school can it and when we listened to the commentary it was actually the elevator part of elevator lobby of a old building that had been abandoned and then they just propped it up a little to make it look like a bathroom but I mean the marble work is great in there you were you said that too. You were talking about the tile, inlay yeah. tiles. You were talking about. Oh, it's, I mean, it's expensive looking. I was just too concerned that a light bulb blows and she's walking around barefoot next to That's this true. broken glass. Mm-hmm. And I, I was I was on edge. I've cut my foot on glass before. It's not a fun time for a, a, no. a while afterwards. <laughs> well, that sounds horrible, Jay. Yeah, it's and, not good. Did Did you notice in this movie that Rennie Harlan was not interested in Sarah Wenham, played by Laura Ramsey, at all? He was not into her. Yeah, he didn't want to give her a character or anything mm-hmm. to do. <laughs> <laughs> he was all about the guys. Because like normally this would be like her character getting initiated into like a bunch of guys. One of the guys is bad, and then you know we learn about the world through her eyes. But instead, she's just sort of there, and then oh. turned into a floating orb. Yeah, we do kind yeah. of because because we have her and Sebastian Stan are both being introduced as like new new characters to the school <laughs> at the same time, which is it is unusual that you get two outsiders being introduced at the same time. So we we do kind of see things from they're both kind of introduced to things, but it's mainly mainly through Sarah actually because because uh, Bucky is he, I, I'm not going to call him Chase because we've got Chase and Caleb and those names are too similar to me, so I was getting very confused when people were saying Chase and Caleb. So, uh, so I'm going to call him Bucky. Uh, or Sebastian Stan. Uh, he, he he's clearly the bad guy. It's immediately obvious that he's the bad guy. But he's also yeah. he also is the one with the most charisma out of everyone. So I was like I was rooting for him because I was like this guy is nice to be around. He's fun. He lights up the screen when he's around. I miss him when he's not here. He's good. I felt like he was trying to do his best Hayden Christensen at the time. But but I'm the, I'm a Hayden Christensen defender, but a little better, if that makes sense. Like his yeah. He, yeah, he's way more charming. Yeah. Hayden Christensen has the tendency to be a little dour. Yeah. I know, that makes sense. But it's yeah. so, isn't it weird seeing... Wait, are we calling him Sebastian? Are we calling him... What are we calling him in this? Are we calling him Chase? What are, call him whatever what are we you want. Him, but I, I kept on getting... In my notes, I kept on getting Chase and Caleb mixed up, because they're both five-letter names starting with C with an A and an E in them. And that just Can we call him Seb? Seb. <laughs> Seb? I mean, his, his name is Chase Collins, so call him Colin if you want. Collins. I'll just call him every name possible. But you know, I, he's I, he's fun in this movie. I think he gets the role. Yeah. I think all these actors get the roles that they're in. Oh, he's, I mean, he's Steve, the highlight for me. He's the, he's the best best part is Sebastian Stan. Oh, he gets to play the villain, right? He gets yeah. to chew on the scenery. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to play dour. He doesn't have to play holding the world on your shoulders and not using the magic because it might destroy you. Blah blah blah. All that stuff like. Stephen Strait has to. I'm going to use that magic, and I'm going to take everyone else's magic to use that magic. Exactly. I like his style, mm-hmm. but he didn't know about magic doing that. Then he became hooked on magic. That's it. You can, you can. He's like a sympathetic villain almost. Because whoa, he, yeah, he is. Because he didn't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he he had this addiction. He didn't know it could be addicted to what he was using. So yeah, I I, I did kind of hate the conceit of once they become, once they ascend over the past. Past the age of eighteen, uh, they can use. They're so powerful, use all the magic they want, but it makes them get really old. I, cause I, I that takes the fun out of it. I feel like that's just. It's it's a film. It's a magic film. Let's have some fun with this. Not like oh, we have this power, but you can't use it. Don't no no. That's like that, that takes all the fun out of magic using in films for me. Hmm. I didn't even think about that. So you wanted you wanted full bore magic. You wanted water orbs. You wanted, you wanted uh, uh, big old pots to stir things in. You wanted more log truck explosions. Rennie Harlan had a logging truck, and then David R. Ellis, his second unit director on Deep Blue Sea, had a logging truck in Final Destination 2. Yeah. 
there's the connection right there. Absolutely. That's it. It's in my notes is that it's the truck for Nation Nation 2 completely disassembles his car. <laughs> I can see why that would ruin some of the fun. I guess for me, so I, I read quite a bit of fantasy and this fall fell into the sort of bucket of a magic system has to have a consequence. Oh, so it, it it's fine. It made sense to me, but I can see why it would ruin the fun of magic. I suppose I've, I've got all the Harry Potter films for fun magic. There's, there's other fun magic films out. There. This is something different. So this you, is, Jay, you just sure. want people out there pew pewing magic everywhere. Yes, I do. Just is like that... <laughs> like like Bill Murray and Kingpin getting magic. And just they, these guys are just so dour. Like Stephen Strait's character, he's just so like, oh, like I'm gonna ascend soon. I'm gonna gonna have all this power but I, just, I just can't use it oh I just like, cheer up man you can fly <laughs> you can do whatever you want just You're still a great swimmer yeah i, I, I appreciated that they magic i appreciated that they were good at swimming but he didn't use magic to do so only sebastian stan cheated at the magic that we that we I'm, saw i guess when you're straight and kitsch you probably don't have to cheat to use magic because they're so <laughs> sorry you know meg was watching this you just used and... two 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 adjectives of straight and kitsch like if you're straight and kitsch which many people could be <laughs> <laughs> yeah those are words that have other meanings who had better swimming form meg steven uh, sebastian stan taylor kitsch or i think steven straight swims yes. who's the better who's the best swimmer of the three because you swam for years i think that it's easier to pull off freestyle on screen because yeah, i mean you have to be really good to do butterfly correctly so who who's doing freestyle straight and stan yeah but you said they're doing little kicks well they were you you're <laughs> i mean come on they're obviously not uh competitive swimmers because they're not you know having a powerhouse of kicks but it's easier to do that one on screen so they looked rather they were adequate their swimming yeah, was adequate they were fine oh wow but you said kitsch was kind of not well i mean you know they're not competitive swimmers you need years for that you thing. don't yeah it's like playing tennis on screen well yeah you're because if you're actually a swimmer you're doing drills on every little piece of your stroke no matter what stroke you do whether it's fly back free or um breaststroke so you're drilling every independent piece of it to make it the best it can be. They mm. probably just learned in a few weeks. So they did fine for that. I think they did better than Paul Bettany and Kirsten Kristen Dunst did in Wimbledon. I because don't remember that. That tennis almost made me vomit oh, in the theater. I almost leaned over and just puked. But watching the swimming here, was the swimming better in Swim Fan or this, Jay? What do you think? Swim oh, hell. What's better, Swim Fan or the Covenant? I uh I, I'd say Swim Fan is probably better. Uh, there's there is more swimming in swim fan. There's just like one brief scene of swimming in here. Uh, no. in, in here. Um, None so of it can live up to Misty Calhoun's video yeah. in Deep Rising <laughs> Two. <laughs> okay, wait, she just called it Deep Rising Two. Wait, wait. Deep Blue Sea Two. There's yes. a, I want to see a Deep, deep Rising Two. That would be wow. That'd be the island movie. All yeah. right. It's got a lot All right, Jay. Yeah. Rank them. Rank these three scenes. Okay. The ending pool fight in swim fan. The swimming scene where Straight bonks his head, or Misty Calhoun's swimming in the deep blue sea. I like that you think I can remember Swim Fan. Uh, so. Yeah, I've seen it several times and I still can't remember. He drowns her. We did a podcast on it. I don't remember anything yeah. that happened in that film. <laughs> right, what uh, do you think? I mean, I love Misty Calhoun swimming because she she like goes past on a shark fin. Uh, so she, I have to. That's number one. It has to be. She also has the confidence to show an entire class. Yeah, this is, this is no, her, there. the video that she takes on tour with her, just with full backing music and everything. Mm -hmm. So that's that's easy number one. And uh, though I can't remember it, swim fans going number two just because I really didn't like the swimming scene in the Covenant because I I couldn't oh. tell because in in the scene is when we see Sebastian Stan using magic and we discover he's magic but i couldn't tell who it was whether it was him or steven Strait, who was using magic at that moment so i don't huh. think it's a very well directed scene uh, Megan, apologies what about other. the swimming scene in crawl what about this okay meg this is More, you're gonna love this one because she's a florida gator swimmer oh it's such a great movie now megan better swimming it's an alligator movie misty calhoun deep blue sea 2 or the ladies in 47 meters down, uncaged. 
I'm gonna vomit. <laughs> you can't scuba dive without fins. <laughs> oh, don't want to talk. Megan's short circuiting over here, Jay, and that's from your recent episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that we didn't talk about that. Jess and I did not know. Megan just <laughs> blinked about four times <laughs> and with rapid fire, and she just froze. We've had so many discussions about this. Do you have water in your eyes right now? Yeah, water. What do you do? Uh, yeah. It bothers you, her. You can't scuba dive with all that equipment without fins. It's just not feasible. Oh, uh, I wish we There's would. other people on the internet who feel the same, by the way, because I looked it up. I wish we could have recorded those four blinks <laughs> that you just had from this. Don't get me started. Uh, I'm, Jay. I'm, I'm sorry that we missed that from our episode. And also, Crawl is beautiful because yes. it does feature a Florida gator swimming Swimmer. with gators. Yeah. And it features... They, they spend... The first half of the movie trying to get out of the house, and then a wave pushes them back into the house. Just when they thought they were out. What a beautiful movie. <laughs> I laughed out loud so many times during that movie. It was great. See you later, alligator. Oh, gosh. Jay, scale one to ten. Covenant. Uh, the film overall? Yeah. Uh, I think I gave it a, a, a two out of five on Letterboxd. Aww. Oh, so four out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, fair. It's, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> you keep on picking the the worst films, as far as I'm concerned, to talk about with this and Shark Night. Uh... <laughs> okay, Shark Night, real quick. Let's cover Shark Night real fast. Okay. Megan. Yeah. Uh, we listened to the episode. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Nick. Nick. The movie was insane. <laughs> Nick and Jay aren't really fans of Shark Night. We've That's never seen it before. How do you feel about it? I've never seen it before. I thought it was so out there that I had to give it props for that. Yeah. I mean, there is a a, a one-armed guy death-fighting a hammerhead shark. Really horrible night scenes that are very obviously in just a darkened room. <laughs> I mean, there's, that is not outside at night in any way. Do you think if Bernie Harlan shot Shark Night 3D, he would have given more gratuitous shots of abs? Probably. Than David I mean, R. Ellis? There were still quite a few. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, there were more gratuitous shots of, of bikinis. But... It's true. But what about the jet ski scene, Megan? Oh my gosh, the CGI is so bad, and I just I appreciate that you were very happy in the movie. You were very happy at the end of that film. I think because it just it doesn't care what it is. So, as as new parents, did were you affected by the scene in the bar where they're betting on the color of this girl's underwear? Does that make you think, like, in the future, this could be your daughter? Some of you, these horrible Ugh. kids are going to be betting on these, like, these heroes of our film that you instantly like turned against because of this terrible scene. I don't know. It feels very of that time period yes. to me. It's just what people did on, and how horrible the early two thousands and nineties were, and I guess eighties. Yeah. Women on screen. Ta- Taylor Kitsch's line over: "She hasn't worn underwear since she was 12. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's um, <laughs> that's at me spinning a little, bit, a little bit. Like that's one of those parts where you're like, yeah, these guys are cool, and then you think about it years later, and you're like, this is horrible. Yeah, this is like I remember watching American Pie too, and like when I was 17, and I never really thought about the webcam aspect of it because it was such a new technology. But I'm like, wait, he filmed her behind her back. Yep, and, and like this and is, in front of her. Yeah, so many movies back then were just like that, and it just made you. At least as a woman, go like, oh, God, do I even want to date people? Because <laughs> if this is what you have to look forward to, then just why? Yeah, no that thanks. Mark. And Sorry. you were just wonderful. I know. Even though you were annoyed by me at first. No, I wasn't. That's I was awesome. using my magic to make water orbs. Exactly. <laughs> but it's a good thing you don't use it now, so you don't age. Yeah. I've had to stop using magic. It's okay. So we'll get through they... being just mundane. <laughs> Do you think if they don't use magic at all, they don't age? They're just going to stay the same? Yeah, oh, I think so. Wait, they just stay that age? That's, that's Maybe, I don't know. It's... I mean, that's sort of the, the message I got from that's... Sebastian Stan's storyline, right? They just stay this... Oh, wait, they just stay the same age? It's, well... <laughs> This is a very frustrating prologue to this film where, where it opens with saying, like, nobody really knows the origin of this magic. And then, so immediately I'm like, well, I, I hate you. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the Book of Damnation and Rob Zombie. Uh, so, yeah, they don't really explain 
much. The only thing they do explain we... is you keep using magic, you, you get addicted to it, and you get older. So Stephen Strait's 44-year-old dad is Emperor Palpatine at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Well, you know why there's no explaining of the witch stuff is they had it originally in the movie, and Rennie was like, nah. So then he just said, I'm going to show you a book in the beginning and show you some narration. And then you're like, oh, okay, witchcraft is involved. So he took every, all the expository dialogue out and just added it into the beginning credits. But if he didn't have the beginning credits and he just played them over the party and took those two minutes out, then you could have had two minutes of expository dialogue and it would have been the same running time. Uh, the, the open credits are so aggressive. Just the, 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 the music playing. <laughs> well, didn't he? Didn't Chase say that when he found his dad, his real dad, before he convinced him to take his power, he was really young? Cause he, and then he convinced him to give him his power, and that killed him, obviously. But he was super young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. I would say, I guess they don't age. If they don't oh, use their power. So we got a Highlander situation. forever. 18? Isn't that it? That, that kind of sucks. Yeah. I well, I suppose you, you could keep using your magic a little bit, so that you'd age a little bit. To make yourself look Maybe. older? But I guess it's it's considered addictive, so then you wouldn't want to stop using it. Yeah, very true. Hmm. Which is sort of the situation we're left with at the end of the movie with Caleb, Stephen Strait. He's using his magic for little stuff. Yeah, you gotta fix the crack in the windshield. Yeah. So is he gonna age? Yeah. He, does, his... he does that just in front of everyone. He can't <laughs> like... help himself. That'd be funny if, you know, Kitsch uses his magic a lot and ages, but he just doesn't look like it because he's Taylor Kitsch. <laughs> no, that that would make him Paul Rudd. Yeah, that's going to say. That would make him... Yeah. That's funny. That's so Paul, Paul Rudd just doesn't use his magic. Yeah. And this is what age well, Paul Rudd Paul looks Paul Rudd like? could use magic and never age because he's Paul Rudd. He's just, used, he's oh. just a little bit, but not... He's mm-hmm. very sparingly. Yeah. He must... I mean, that's interesting. So, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd should have been in this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, no, because it's about him. This is the Paul Rudd story. <laughs> it's his origin story? Yeah. <laughs> he's one of the witches of Ipswich. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's one of the sons of Ipswich. Yeah. I, I love the story behind this movie, too, because Rennie uh, was, was kind of hanging out. He was going to go over to, what, Berlin and make a movie. And he got a call from this producer, and this producer was like, yo... I got a script. Male witches. Meet me for dinner. And Randy's like, I gotta fly to, like, Europe. He's like, no, meet me for dinner. So he met him for dinner, and the guy from Screen Gems, the head, he goes, you're making this movie. So they signed the deal that night. And then they gave him a $20 million budget, and the movie just started getting made. Which is kind of crazy, right? Like, So I guess they had no time to fine-tune the script, and Rennie... I don't know. I just thought that was quite interesting. I, I, think, I think that so show was a good dinner. What? I hope it was like a really nice, good steak dinner or something. Yeah, some Finnish ho- wait, Finnish hollandaise. Some, yeah, Helsinki Maybe some hollandaise. Surf and turf, yeah. like... Helsinki hollandaise. Oh, yeah. I think, Meg. Mm-hmm. Some trout. Surf and turf. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I would have just liked a, a refining on the script, just because there are a few loose threads, like the the darkling that shows up yes. that, that that causes the car crash. Which I really liked the car crash. Just, it just kind of came out of nowhere. And was something different, that whole car just breaking into individual pieces and then reassembling again. It makes no sense oh. when you compare it to the, the scene earlier when they needed all four of them to be able to fly a car. Where like one of them on his own, not paying attention, manages to bring the car back together again. In, anyway, uh, but I like that scene. <laughs> but he has this like the weird zombie ghost apparition of the guy who was killed. And then that's it, we don't see a darkling again. <laughs> that's what we, I saw a darkling! Uh, that, that's all the explanation you're going to get is a Sora Darkling. Maybe the yada, yada, yada there is yeah. that Stephen Strait is getting closer to his ascension. So when he's not paying attention, he can pull off very impressive magical feats. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, uh, that's the case. Yeah. I don't know. But I do know that they all must know that is one of the coolest looking scenes in the movie because you see how they use it in the trailer and all the promotional stuff for the movie. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I haven't seen the. I went into this completely blind, so I didn't oh. even see the trailer. See, that's what so. I remembered about the movie, having apparently seen it a long time ago. I don't know. But I do remember that part of it. <laughs> well, I remember uh... them leaning very hard into it. I think that'll be the part I remember the most is is the car exploding, <laughs> just because it's it's so visual. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> and and driving off the cliff. I think a lot of those car things they used quite a bit in the marketing of the movie. Yeah, it makes sense. I suppose that, that's stuff that doesn't give away that Sebastian stands the villain. Although I'd be surprised True. if they don't in the trailer. Uh, yeah, I mean it's obvious that he's outside of sort of their core group, but you know until you're watching it, you don't really know he's going to be the villain. Although, as you said, it is quite obvious once he's in the movie. I like that Toby Hemingway turns out to be a good guy, not a bad guy. Yeah, they do paint him in a sort of suspicious light. Yeah. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, I I, I didn't like him because, well, you're not, spo- you're, not, you're not supposed to because he's like, he's the, the dick of the group. He's the one who's abusing the mm-hmm. power and stuff. So you're supposed to not like him initially on that, and that worked for me. Uh, yeah, I like that he turns around, he's on board. But only they, really once he it's become known that he's amongst people that's being threatened. That, like, they're after his power. I, I When I first went into this, I thought, oh, these guys are going to stop being killed one by one. We're going to lose, like, Chase Crawford will die, and then Toby Hoboy will die, and it'll be down to Taylor Kitsch and Stephen Strait. Uh-huh. Versus, no, they're all, they're all alive. <laughs> that that's happen. a better movie. <laughs> Jay, he gets more powerful by killing them. It would have been that's what I thought was going to happen. But they haven't come into their power yet, have they? No, oh, they, have, yeah. they haven't ascended, but they have... I mean, I guess they could have. Well, they have some power, if we're but not, it. not as much. Yeah. Wait, well, couldn't they... he have given him his power before he ascended? You can't. No. You can only do it once no. you've ascended. Oh, but so I guess you could wipe them off yeah. the face of the earth and not have to worry about them. That's, he wants that's the why they're taking it from dads. Yeah. <laughs> and also, if you hear something in the background, we have a, a honking baby who sounds a little bit like a goose. And earlier, she made a noise... She sounded like the one, two, three. The count. Like, yeah, she was like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's what it was. She was like, ah! I'm like, hey, Sesame Street. <laughs> now she's now she's chilling. She's 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 listening to us talk about the Covenant. I mean, this is good. I mean, I want her to watch all of, of Rennie Harlan's films when mm-hmm. she's what six. It's important. I was gonna say, did 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 Mallory enjoy the Covenant? Did she watch it? Um, so... Yeah, she did. She watched it. She she gave it, what, two pacifiers out of five? <laughs> That's fair, yeah. Yeah, so she kind of said, listen, there's good elements here. Rennie Harlan, she she looked me in the eyes and she said, Rennie Harlan can work wonders with 20 million, Dad. I mean, there's over 500 effect shots in this, she told me. She's like, I love the smoke work in here. She's like, I love all the wire work that the cast had to train in months and... I love that Rennie Harlan trained on the wires before any of the actors to make sure it was safe. And there's footage of him, Meg, spinning around in the air with all the stuntmen laughing at him. Yeah, she definitely watched the making of. Yeah, and she liked that. She's like, I think, you know, when I start making movies, I'm going to be like Rennie Harlan. So she's definitely going to be a Rennie Harlan, a new Rennie Harlan for the ages, for sure. And she's like, listen, he's in the action. He gets it. Like that night when it was freezing during that party scene where they had to film in a quarry at the last minute. They were given extras money and free passes and Blu-rays and yeah, CDs. Yeah, they were giving them CDs and DVDs as bribes. Uh, they were doing dance contests, right? Yeah, and like in between takes because it was so cold. But to keep the extras happy, they were giving them tons of free stuff. And Rennie Harlan's like, this industry's tough. Like, you got to have fun. So I really appreciate that about Harlan and getting out there and doing all the extras and you know helping them out. Because I've been an extra on set, Megan. People aren't normally that nice. I would love to be an extra on a Harlan set. Be on the boat from Deep Blue Sea dancing. That's like my dream extra role. I think you need to move to China at the moment. Uh, that. yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'll be someone that like Johnny Knoxville and Jackie Chan beat up and skip Trace too. Nice. You'll uh, be it's... someone driving a car in twelve rounds. Ooh, yeah. Thirteen rounds. Whoa, thirteen rounds. I'll be in the pool that they land in at the end. You can be the... yeah. Well, there's that couple that they walk past. Uh, after landing in the pool, where yeah, exi- see, yeah. allegedly there's a, a deleted bit where they uh, they announce that they just got engaged. So we just jumped out of a helicopter. Oh, we just got engaged. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I'll be that guy. That sounds great. I would love that. Oh man, Jay, now you got me thinking about killing them off one by one. Mine hunters like. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's how I think every film should be. <laughs> that was that was my pitch for Ocean's Eight. Was uh, they, the end of Ocean's Eight? One of them is dead. They're all standing around a funeral, and the next one's Ocean Seven. And every film, one of them gets just taken out. Uh. Oh my gosh! What do you think, Meg? <laughs> that was a very entertaining film. I liked Ocean, it. Yeah, good, good <laughs> cast. Mm-hmm. And also, Taylor Kitsch was in Snakes on a Plane, 
Yeah. With David R. Ellis. Then he was in a movie with Rennie Harlan. And Sam Jackson. Whoa. Russell Franco himself. Wow. I wonder if he got recommended from them. David R. Ellis is like, you know that guy in the bathroom during that sex scene and he gets bit by a snake? And Stephen Strait was in The Expanse with... Uh, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane. Wow, my brain just blanked. Yeah. I haven't even seen The Expanse. Oh, TJ. (laughs) It's so good. Thomas Jane. Man, we're we're connecting everything. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Stephen Strait got The Expanse job because of TJ. Because people are like, we liked you in Deep Blue Sea. And he's like, well, I know another guy who was in a Rennie Harlan movie that was really good. Maybe. And he got Stephen Strait the job. He's like, forget Roland Emmerich's 10,000 BC. The Covenant. Hey, I mean, this hey, got uh, him the job on 10,000 BC, so. And I yeah, have you know Emmerich, that film, so. You know, Emmerich watched this movie, Jay, and went, yo, get me Stephen Strait. <laughs> yeah. And then, I wonder if Stephen Strait's mad at Rennie because of that now. I would put him in a terrible film. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this guy. I do want to say, watching this movie, kind of seeing the tone, seeing the the, the way it's shot. Like, Rennie really wanted to avoid what blues and... Uh, oh, the typical, like, dark, where it's more of a blue tone. He went for, what it uh, Or silver. Something, wow. something, something processed bleach processing. Yeah. Double bleach, I don't know. But it gives it a more silver tone. And have you noticed Vampire Diaries since then, Twilight? Like, I think a lot of the movies, listen, I'm not saying these movies ripped off The Covenant. I mean, that'd be a stretch. But a lot of the look of this and the prep and the the stylization, I mean, this is before Twilight was a movie. This is before Vampire Diaries was a movie. Bleach Bypass. Bleach Bypass. So I think the look of this movie could be quite influential. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Does that make sense? It it feels almost uh, black and white. Like it's quite gothic, uh, which is quite witchy in itself. So, yeah, I can see him taking inspiration from that. And yeah, it definitely definitely looks like a lot of the witchy films afterwards. Uh, I wish I was on the Blu-ray cover. Looks quite witchy. Quite witchy. (laughs) Or quite uh, weachy, as I think Stephen Sebastian Stan (laughs) says at some point. like a whole thing i just looked it up bleach bypass movies if you look that up there's a lot of movies that are known for looking that way so seven fight club man on fire million dollar baby minority report saving private ryan they're all known for that sort of like you said sort of like a noir look or like it preserves the silver tone and it's dark nice so that's what he went for so clearly the covenant wasn't the first one to do it but if you look at Look at you. Look at Pattinson in Twilight. You look at every actor in Vampire Diaries. Just the the look of them. I feel like you know, there's there, it's there. Yeah, they definitely look like the guy who plays um, Stefan. Stefan. And a little bit yeah. like Damien yeah. in Vampire Diaries. I mean, Caleb Danvers, played by Stephen Strait, alongside Sebastian Stan as Chase Collins. I'm just gonna get Jay confused here. <laughs> Why there's Chase Chase Crawford, not as Chase Collins. Oh, man. (laughs) The big hair, the big... Oh, there's Chase Crawford. Yeah, that's a lot of names. As Tyler Sims. I mean, I don't know. Taylor Kitsch as as Pogue Parry is my favorite name, Pogue Parry. Hey, Pogue, our friend. Pogue Mm -hmm. Parry. Well, I mean, listen, Jay, is this a 4%? You're a critic, and you go to watch this movie. Okay, actually, I guess... It's 4% because only 4% of critics liked it. 96% yeah, based on of critics... 75 reviews, so that'll be three reviews, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it's fair for critics to give this a D or a C-. Minus. Would you Would you be one of the three that gives it a positive review? No. I don't think I could. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I, I wanna, I'm going to go back and read those those three reviews and work out what they found that would make this overall a positive film. Uh, the I, sad I, thing I, is how it feels so long. <laughs> it's almost two hours. It's not. It's right? 97 minutes. Wait, really? <laughs> it's only 97 minutes and it feels so much longer. I thought it was two hours long. No, I remember <laughs> I said that and then you told me it was short and I just looked at the page 97 minutes. Yeah. Okay, they could... it's 92 minutes plus credits. So it's it's, oh, man. <laughs> it's five minutes of credits at the end. Sarah Wenham and Kate Tooney, Jessica Lucas, Laura Ramsey and Kate, uh, Jessica Lucas could have been cut. Yeah. From the movie completely. Oh, oh, yeah. you, you could cut everybody apart from 
uh, Stephen Strait and Sebastian Stan, mm. and like his uh, uh, Strait's parents. I think no, no one else really, because okay, so Sebastian Stan, his plan is he wants to get to Caleb, he wants to get to Stephen Strait. So to do that, he wants to get to Caleb by going through Sarah, the new girl that they have a little bit of crush on. They have this errand running date, and so to get to Sarah, he goes to Sarah's roommate, Kate. I feel like just go to Sarah, just like start just, just like adding on it goes goes to Kate and then because Kate, Kate's in a relationship with with Pogue, but Kate also kind of fancies uh, Chase. There's all these like extra layers of what he's wasting time here. He just just focus on Sarah and excise like half an hour of plot. I get it, mm. but making the film longer, fine. But it just didn't make, make any kind of a sense from a plot perspective. I was like, why isn't he just going to go straight to Sarah? Well, you could take them out and then slowly kill off all of the friend group. That yeah. make it interesting. Yeah. And just... <laughs> I, I, yeah, because he goes after maybe Kate. maybe he's trying to go after a wider audience, because if it was just about five dudes, that would not probably attract a very wide audience of viewers. Well, yeah, I guess you, you need you a shower get, like, scene yeah, with a lady in it. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, that could have just been a lady that Chase kills or captures. Yeah, and then turns into like a floating thing. Maybe. And I, I, I did like the spiders. I liked the spiders. Oh god, I hated the spiders. Spider movies should be outlawed. <laughs> what about eight-legged freaks? Hort- horrifying. Those are not that bad. They're huge. Yeah, they're not real spiders. But the, no, the method of like... getting Kate <sighs> by like putting a spider in Sarah's ear. And making her dream of spiders and giving her some kind of a curse that means what she dreams comes true. This is all things that are kind of hinted at, but not fully developed. But I liked that conceit of, she has a nightmare, and that becomes true, and she's dreaming of spiders attacking her roommate. And then her roommate gets attacked by spiders. It's like, great, more of this. This makes no sense, but more of it, please. And I wanted more, and explanation, and something, but it just kind of... It's like, he has spiders he can control. That's about it, as far as it goes. Maybe Chase just isn't good at it yet, because you know, he got his dad, and then he shows up to this school. It's probably hard to infiltrate the the brothers of Itzwich. Wait, is that their name? Is the, that the, the sons, the of, sons Ipswich. of Itzwich. So he can't just walk in and become the the fifth son of Itzwich or like part of that crew. So then he's like, could he though? Couldn't you just be like, guys, I was part of the families. Wouldn't wouldn't they want to fold him in? Like, why would he just assume that they wouldn't want him? Well, he's already evil at this point. Maybe because he's already oh. ascended. Oh, he's ascended? Yeah, he's already he has ascended. Yeah, yeah, he has ascended. Yeah. So he's already ascended. He needs to... But he could just become buds with them. He could. Which is how it starts. He like, could have he, tried he, friendship. Well, yeah, he, he does start hanging out with Kate, right? And then that sets up problems with Pogue, which then in turn sets up problems with Caleb and Reed and Tyler. So... He's already a little adversarial in the beginning by talking to Kate. Yeah, he needs to show up and not try and hit on one of their girlfriends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just join the swim team, be a good competitor. Be like, hey, bros, I got some beer. You want to drink them? Like, you know, say that. What a great line. Yeah. I haven't seen Dead Man on campus since I saw it in theaters, and that was enough. But that whole, I got some beers. We should drink them. What a great line. See, and Mallory just spit out her pacifier, which means <laughs> she loves that line, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I want to watch this dead man on campus. <laughs> yeah? That looks like a good one. What do you think about what I'm saying so far? Thumbs up? Cool. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want me to cover? Do well, you, you want me to talk about that? All right, so... <laughs> well, I'm dying here. What is she want you to cover? <laughs> well, she thinks that it really established a good tone, this yeah. movie. So, I mean, I do think when you watch this, it's not successful. <laughs> but it does I'm, have a... I'm glad that you think that. I'm glad that you're... Yeah. I was I was dreading kind of you coming here and being your normal, overly positive Mark self. And I'm glad that you're seeing, admitting that this isn't a successful film. So, good. Thank you. Yeah, but the tone... <laughs> is, so, I watched Ghost of yeah. Mars recently. Mm-hmm. And that movie is, is critically reviled. I remember someone once told me, I will never listen to your movie thoughts anymore because you like Ghost of Mars. But I watched Ghost of Mars, which was very rude, and it, and it stuck with me since, like, 02. That hurt. Oh, but, man, I thought it was some certain person on Facebook. No, recently. no. But the internet can't hurt me that bad. This is the internet. When it's, like, face-to-face. Oh, no, I mean a certain head. person we know. Yeah. But it's... Man, we're getting personal. But 
Ghost of Mars, the tone is very unsettling for me, but I don't think it's entirely successful, but I do think the tone created mm -hmm. is constant. And I think that's in this one too. I mean, there is a, there is a visual style. There is a consistent visual style. And every movie should have a consistent visual style. There's that a unique... Be, that would be ideal. There's a unique... There's a unique... Denny Villeneuve's Dune is like eight different movies. It's funny that you mentioned that because you just wrote a review for the new Guillermo del Toro movie and it had a very definite visual style, but that was a detractor for you. It was. Considering that it very much took away from the film. So that's interesting. No, let's make it noir and let's just make it a stylish... Just, ah, <laughs> just takes away from it. Yeah, but I think... Um, so at least Rennie is able to establish... Uh, okay, he put a lot more work into this movie than a regular human being would have. Okay. Maybe he should have put more work into the script? Yes. Yes. Uh, I like Jay's ideas a lot, but I do think there's some neat overhead shots. I mean, the fake rain, Megan, is good fake rain. I hate yeah, fake... I know. I hate it. It's I like, hear about it. Anytime there's bad fake rain on the screen. It's a torrential downpour, and we have one sprinkler on someone's head. Like, it's so pointless. Or they're they're behind it, or they're in front of it. The fake rain in Mr. Right almost made me vomit. We're barfing a lot in this episode. <laughs> You're but, bringing up all the triggering stuff. <laughs> uh, the fake rain in this movie was good. I, I don't think the visual effects were especially strong, because there was too many of them. There's, like, almost 500, and thus you couldn't make really good VFX because they were so spread I, out. I wrote down a crazy number. But what was it? I just think this movie, <sighs> Harlan focused on all the wrong things, but I do like the visuals of it. There are a couple shots, a couple overhead shots that when she's looking, when she's in the shower and you see the reflection of her, when the thing comes over her, I do think there's some neat like gothic vibes to it. Overall though, the story isn't just enough to get you there. And the barn fight, like, I'm a big fan of barn fights. I really am. I mean, the, the top barn <laughs> fight ever is in Friday the 13th Part 3, where Chris just lays on to Jason. But the barn fight on this one's too long because I couldn't get into the orbs, even though in the beginning they showed witches throwing the similar orbs. So Rennie Harlan did research. But I guess you people threw water orbs, force orbs, but... They reminded me of the, the glowing bulls that they threw at the end of Phantom Menace, the, oh. the Gungans. <laughs> not quite as bright as those. Uh, but... I feel like I just need to call this out because we I we heard this in the commentary. There were 485 VFX shots, and that was one in five. Wow. Yeah. So one of every five shots in this movie were VFX. And it's just... They spent a lot of time on that. Maybe they should have spent it somewhere else. The script. Yeah. Well, even the, and... the shots in like the, the headmaster's office, I felt they added more dust in the air than they actually had. Just... It, it seemed like the air was like foggy in 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 this office in this room. So I, I don't yeah. know if it was like special effects dust in there, but so much well, this film felt like it's we been do have a note here that said smoke is up. They yeah. used quite a lot of smoke. I remember you mentioned that. There is a bad scene. There's a scene where they're walk. Not okay. You know what? I'll say bad. What not well done. But there's a wide shot of the the teenagers walking, the adults walking into the school, and. There's supposed to be a lot of fog, but it's just coming from one area. So they didn't spread the fog out. It's like a giant brush fire was happening, and it was just pushing smoke into it. So, yes, I like the overhead shot. It establishes location, but you also captured the smoke coming from fog, sea, sea mist coming from one location, which was like a brush special fire. effects dudes with you know, cargo shorts unleashing. And it's cold, too, and they're still wearing cargo shorts. I don't get it. Like, they're just those guys. You see them all the time. And so they're just shooting from one area. So you did see that on screen. That's not ideal. But I feel like after listening to the commentary, I liked the movie. I watched the movie, and I went, oh, brother. But then we listened to the commentary, Meg, and this is enthusiasm and his love of the craft and how he really respects people by recording commentaries. Like, then I started to like it. Yeah, I was disappointed after we watched the movie, for sure. I thought it was going to be more fun. I don't know, better. It, it could have been trashier. Well, yeah, it could have been more like Shark Night 3D, but it wasn't. <laughs> yes. Music videos, jet skis. Just insane, terrible effect shots that you're like, that's awful, and I respect it because it's awful, and they still put it in there. I want a gremlin shark eating Sarah. Imagine that. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. 
with the guy with the scar. You hearing Mallory? She's like, she's getting into this. <laughs> Hi. Picture a movie. What? I said picture a movie. Picture a okay, Mallory. Picture Covenants. The Covenant 2, right? They've all moved to Louisiana because we all know that's a, <laughs> that, that's a hotbed for for that kind of stuff. Where they film their night scenes in a warehouse. Now, the, you know, Steven's there. You got Pogue. You got Reed. You got Tyler. They're all just like, hey, we're going to go to New Orleans, find our people. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of like mysticism here. So we're going to go down there. We're going to live in the bayou. Plenty of barns. Yeah, you know, right? we're going to hunt alligators, uh, bull sharks, all this stuff. Sebastian Stan comes back. He's like, hey, I found someone from a sixth family. They didn't find the body. Exactly. So he's like, I found someone from a sixth family. Oh, crap. Right? And guess who it is? John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> they show up. Right. That explains why I couldn't and see him before. I thought you were going to say Toby Kebbell. <laughs> oh, and Toby Kebbell. Because he was in Louisiana in... Oh, my gosh. Wait. Hurricane Heist. So right? they recast Toby Hemingway <laughs> with... Heist. They recast Toby <laughs> Hemingway with Toby Kebbell. They just wanted to keep a Toby. Yeah. Less money. Uh-huh. So they Wait, bring in Toby Kebbell. Less money. <laughs> yeah. You only know, have to switch the last names, not the first. But you, th- you think <laughs> Toby Kebbell's going to be cheaper than Toby Hemingway? Well, no, like, I'm just thinking credit-wise, because we, there's a liquor store near us. Their name was Jax's, and they changed the name. Their name was Jax, J-A-X, and the people changed the name to Max, so they only had to replace the J in front of the building. Yeah. Well, I suppose so they bring... Kevin was a lot fewer letters than Hemingway, so it takes it's quicker to type out. Exactly. Exact. Toby Kevill in Bloodshot, the dance scene, beautiful. Hurricane Heist, lovely. Excellent. But, yeah, so then John Cena and Sebastian Stan come into town, right? And then they're like, listen, we're, he's from the sixth family, and we're brothers, like in Fast 9 with Dom and Cena. And then you get a big old Bayou shootout, like in Hard Target with JCVD. Rennie Harlan directs it. Just There's a, a magic orb throwing chase on some jet skis. On jet skis, and then a bull shark attack, Okay. right, that ends up killing John Cena. Oh. Yeah. So but that's it. Magic bull sharks. Wow. The bull shark ate Cena, gained its powers, and then joined the boys to attack Sebastian Stan. It's like a multi-cross genre movie. I love it. This is amazing. And we got Toby Kevill in it. Yeah. Can you have a dance scene? There's a dance scene in this one in the bar. They danced uh, I Love Rock and Roll. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. She's like, I'm not going to do what the boys do. This is how girls have fun. We dance. I Love Rock and Roll. Yeah, they should have cut that scene. Yep. So, okay, I don't want Toby Kebbell dancing I Love Rock and Roll. That sounds terrible. What song? Psycho Killer? No, he's already done that in Bloodshot. What song should Toby Kebbell dance to? Crocodile Rock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Crocodile Rock. And then the song from uh, the end of Shark Night 3D. No. See, since I've had to no. check. No. I, I've had to check. <laughs> just no. I've, I've had to check if every film we cover now has a mu- mu- random music video attached to it, just because of how shocking the shark night one is uh listeners we still have we're gonna record that that bonus episode don't worry but just we're not there yet yeah so that's it that's my covenant too uh the bayou boogaloo bayou boogaloo okay (laughs) with toby kebble and john cena yeah because sebastian stan chase collins not dead at the end of the film no he's not they don't find the body they don't find the body yeah chase crawford plausible rides a shark because he's the guy from The Boys. Oh, yeah. And he has gills. Bull sharks. Louisiana. Wait, wait hang on. He has gills. Yeah. Well, have you not watched The Boys? I haven't. I haven't. Um, oh, I'm yeah. Sorry, I he's... thought you were doing a Waterworld thing. Okay. This no, is... I, th- what, I don't know. I don't remember what his exact character is, but he's like part fish. Okay. He's the Aquaman equivalent. Es- essentially. Okay. All right, so yeah, I think that's it. We did it. But more damaged as a human. We did it. This is awesome. Hey, can we do something real quick? Yeah. Always. Okay, we got to go real fast. But can we do a Toby Kebbell draft? Yeah. Megan uh, versus Jay. Oh, okay. Hang on. <laughs> Megan versus Jay, Toby Kebbell. Okay. Uh, Megan can uh, go first. Who's ever ready to get the first pick in there gets first pick. To, um, bloodshot. Okay, Meg takes, Meg takes Bloodshot. Uh, rock and Roller. Oh, that was a good one. Bloodshot. He's really good in rock and roll. He's great. Hurricane Heist. Ro- oh, yeah. Hurricane Heist. Uh, Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull Island. Good. I really like that. Yeah, he's good. Right. 
I've I've maxed out now. I need to actually get the, the app pulled up. So that's, that's <laughs> the two top of my head as well. You maxed out the two Toby cabs? Uh, I was just looking for him on the Covenant page. Other than what Jay said, because I already knew that one. I'm kind of bummed he's not in the Covenant in 06. All right. He's good in Rock and Rolla. I like, we watched Rock and Rolla again, and I enjoyed it. He's fantastic in it. Underrated movie. Is it an underrated movie? Yeah, I think so. In fact, there's no sequel. Yeah. Warhorse? I did not know. He that. is, yes. He, uh, he's one of the ones who, right at the end, when the when it, the horse is trapped in the barbed wire, he's the, the English guy who goes out to free it with one of the German guys. I do love that movie. He's in the Monster Calls. I know, I saw that. Oh, he's in Match Point. <laughs> wow, this is impressive. Go Toby Kibble. Good for you. Uh, okay, my third one is. He's in Control. I know he's in a lot of good movies. I mean, my heart says Warcraft, but... But my body's saying... Yeah. But I feel like I should pick a better movie. Come on. Does it count if he's motion captured? Yes. You know what? Let's just go with Wrath of the Titans. Ooh, Wrath of the Titans. Okay. It's a good role. I, I'm, I'm going to take Warhorse. We already said it. Uh, I, I, One of the few people who really likes that. Warhorse. I the... love Warhorse. We went and saw the play. Yes, me too. Uh, the counselor. Right, the counselor. Oh, fun. Uh, I'll take a, a, a very serious pick of Dead Man's Shoes. Ooh, oof, that's a ooh, it's a heavy film, but he's fantastic in it. He's um, he's underappreciated. Toby he, yes. So we, we did over on the Lambcast back when I used to host it. We did a character actor draft. We draft character actors, and we did a, a, an American one, and then the rest of the world. And in my rest of the world, I drafted Toby Kebbell on my team, and everyone else in the podcast was like, "Well, who is this guy?" Who what, just throwing your pick away? I like he's a fantastic character actor. He's in so many things. He's always great, and people he just really didn't know is. him. He's in so many things. I am surprised. Looking at his filmography, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. All right, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Uh, All right, Jay, fifth pick. <laughs> his episode of Black Mirror. Well, that's <laughs> um, a good one, but which no. is very good. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's uh, in Control. Yeah, I haven't seen Control. Uh, I think the only film left of this that I've, I've it's like Wolf of the Planet of the Apes, but I'm not a huge fan of that. He's in Prince of Persia. I never saw it. Wait, Wait have you seen a Monster Calls? Very good. And he's in Alexander. I've never seen it. Uh, I, I I bailed on a Monster Calls. Lots of swords and oh. sandals, and he's in Ben Hur. What? Jeez Louise. <laughs> yeah, not not the original. But... No. <laughs> that, would, that would be. A... He's, he's magic. Yeah. So he, I'll he take I'll take Match Point. He's, he just plays a policeman in it, but I'll take That's Match true. Point. Alright, there we go. Oh man, a monster calls. That movie's devastating. So we have Rock and Roller, Kong Skull Island, War Horse, Dead Man's Shoes, Match Point Verse, Bloodshot, Hurricane Heist, Wrath of Titans, The Counselor, and Sorcerer's Apprentice. I mean, obviously. I would 100% have taken Hurricane Heist if, if I had been able to. So. Can we end this episode with a, um, hey baby, you okay? Mallory is sad. Yeah. That it's over. Uh-huh. Wait, did you really, you wanted them to add control, didn't you? She's so cute. I love this girl. Oh my gosh. You're amazing, Mallory. I love you. We're going to watch Toby Kebbell movies together. Oh, wait. Control has the guy from Strike, doesn't it? Yeah. No. The, yeah. And the guy from um, Free Fire. Oh. Joy oh. Division. Such a good movie. Yeah. Free Fire. Free Fire. All right. Well, Jay, thanks for having us, man. Thanks for putting I, up well, with this. Where, where, I need to oh. do my Deepest Bluest. Oh, crap. Crap, crap. All right. Yeah. What do you <laughs> very, got? very quickly, how is this film like Deep Blue Sea? Uh, it's something I do on all these, all these podcasts. Uh, there is one random English person in the cast, but the character is not English. Toby Hemingway is from England, so uh, we get a lot of female-delivered exposition scenes early on about the origins of the magic and the sons of Ipswich, etc. From Kayla's mother and from Kate. Uh, the scene where Sarah gets undressed and has a shower, and a, and a light bulb sparks, causing electricity near her during that scene, very, like Susan. Uh, Sarah has a cross tattoo on her back, and Preacher has the cro- the crucifix necklace. So something going on there. Uh, Taylor Kitsch is wearing a sleeveless top for a while, very much like Tom Jane. There's swimming, there's a dancing scene. Uh, the English teacher mentioned Stephen King, and, and Deep Blue Sea was the first film that Stephen King saw after a car crash. Mm. Uh, there's a birthday party in it. Uh, Kate is on a gurney at one point, just like Jim. Uh, at the end, a building collapses, is on fire, and they've got to get out of it, which is the whole plot of Deep Blue Sea. The, one of the scenes is overrun by little spiders, just like the set of Deep Blue Sea was overrun with locusts. Was it locusts? Yeah. 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 No, crickets? Crickets. That's the one, crickets. There's a, a respected but very underused actor with pretty much nothing to do, which is uh, Stephen McHattie, 
from uh, from Pontypool, the main guy from Pontypool, is oh, what a good movie! Yeah, he he, he plays uh, uh, Caleb's dad. He's just sat in a Ooh. chair being old for the film. Nothing to do, and Steve Matthew is great in many things. And my main thing, the whole plot of this film, Sebastian Stan's whole plan is to try and stop getting older. They're trying to prevent Alzheimer's in Deep Blue Sea. It's the same thing. Wow. The, the villains of the film have the same same motivation to try and prevent mm. people from getting older. Uh, yeah. And in terms of how deep and how blue the film is, I, <laughs> you had a good point when you were saying how they, they shied away from blues and greens in the dark scenes. This is, without a doubt, the least blue film ever mm. made. Really? The, the only scenes with blue in them are the swimming scenes. I I defy anybody out there to find anything blue in this film outside of the goddamn swimming pools. So this film is 1.1% blue. Wow. That is it. Everything else is black and grey and steely and just nothing. And depth-wise, the only time they go below surface of the water is when they're swimming. So it's it's just above surface level for the entirety of the rest of the film. Not a very deep... Not a very blue film. It's 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 the worst. <laughs> How deep would the Covenant Two Bayou Boogaloo be, and blue would that movie be? It's probably not going to be very deep because this, they're in the Bayou, which I don't think is is terribly deep compared to Leviathan, say. <laughs> but <laughs> but probably a lot, probably deeper than than the Covenant One. Blue, I I, I reckon it's going to be more green. Like it'll be it'll be hard to be less blue than this one. It. So true, but I don't think it's going to get over like five percent. We should just do a fake episode about the Covenant to Bayou Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we should. Because I want that movie. To... It seems very entertaining. Yeah, I'm proud of it. Mallory liked it, so I think that makes it worth it. Mm-hmm. She's well, writing it's... a script right now. Let's say, I got if, her mini typewriter. If it's not been done by the time she starts making films, then we've got her first film sorted. Oh, she's going to... I'm sending her to NYU to make this. <laughs> At what point will the Deep Blue Sea franchise be up to when she directs her installment? Okay, so one every three years. Well, there was there was that gap of, like, 20 years. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> so... recently... Okay, so what? here's what's going to happen. They're going to get through six by... 2029. There's going to be a few years go by, then they'll do seven. So she'll probably be directing nine. Okay. DBS9. DBS9. Bayou Boogaloo. <laughs> All of her films have the tagline Bayou Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> the Counselor 2 Bayou Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> Fast and Furious 13 Bayou Boogaloo. Does that mean we have to move to uh, Louisiana? Ben Hur Bayou Boogaloo. <laughs> no, because she's traveling. She, yeah, she's out of our house by then. She's time there. She's going to be on set. She doesn't need us. She'll be graduated. She'll be in her 20s. We'll just be getting all that sweet money. Yeah. <laughs> Guilting her into it. Hey, millionaire, send me some change. Dad needs a new car. <laughs> Preferably a Mustang that comes apart and then goes back together. Dad needs a new logging truck. It's Life's like a crash place. dummies scene. Yeah. It just, just falls apart. <laughs> I love it. Okay, well, thank you both for, for joining me for The Covenant. Uh, thank you for, for gracing the podcast with your presence once again. Uh, anything to plug? <laughs> anything to promote? Uh, everything Jay does. All <laughs> well, my Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, oh, Rotten Tomatoes, the podcast, did cover Deep Blue Sea, and the, the DBS podcast got a ton of mentions. I got mentions. Saffron Burroughs answered the Ronnie Cox question. We learned some really cool behind-the-scenes stories, so I was able to to drop in a lot of input about DBS into that. Also, I got a Deep Blue Sea reference dropped into the Matrix vs. John Wick episode. So watch that one where he talks about how I own Deep Blue Sea on DVD during a John Wick vs. Matrix episode. So yeah, do that. Excellent. Uh, Meg, anything? Nope, just everything Mark does. Okay, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Thanks can... for watching The Covenant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, listeners, you can you can follow the podcast at Deep Blue Sea Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Email us deepbluesepod at gmail.com. Uh, read more of my writings over at Life vs. Film, Life vs. Film. Come join the LAM, the large association of movie blogs at largeassmovieblogs.com. If you have a movie blog or podcast and want to join like minded folk who 
do the same kind of thing. Uh, follow me on Letterboxd, uh, J. Cluett, J-A-Y-C-L-U-I-T-T, where I've started a list of films mentioned on the Deep Blue Sea podcast. Uh, I'm going back through listening to it and making a list of all the films we talked about. And I'm also keeping a ranking of what the deepest and the bluest films are. So well, check me out over there. I'm not, I've not very far into it yet, but... Wait, you know. have you done everything yet? No. Uh, uh, the deepest and the bluest, I'm up to where we are, but... Uh, the, the film was mentioned on the podcast. I'm going through episode by episode, and I'm only like three in at the moment. So it's it's an ongoing thing. We're already up to like 200 films. So we talk about a lot of films on this show. Uh, but that'll be a, a comprehensive list of everything we ever talk about. Just because of the future of the podcast, I need more films to talk about. And, You're Jay Cluett. Uh, Just Jay, Jay Cluett. Yeah, J A Y C L U I W T, I think uh, is my last I'm adding you right now. Cool. Yeah, great. And I don't know what we're talking about next week, because we're recording this a little bit in advance. Uh, we'll talk about something. Maybe I'll, I'll edit it in here. Next week, we're talking about... The Reef. When Hurricane I Heist with Toby Cabell. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but yeah, as for talk, this... I will talk Hurricane Heist. And Maggie Grace being awesome. Maggie Grace crushing it. And she then we it. can talk about Lockout. <gasps> oh, hell yes. Here's an apple and a gun. Don't talk to strangers. Yes. Lockout is phenomenal. Lockout yeah. is. I'm glad you said that because it is. I watched it again recently and I couldn't look away. Like I stopped <laughs> mid-workout and I couldn't focus. <laughs> that should be on the poster. It's like distractingly good. It is. It is so funny. Guy Pierce beefed up. Come on now. And just being a. Guy Pierce is with Toby Kebbell in Bloodshot. Oh yeah, he is. Oh man. What a great idea. Connecting the people. Well, thank you both for... Thank you, Mega. Thank you, Mark, for, for joining me for this. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, thank you. This has been TBC the Podcast. I've been Jake Lewis, and I'll deeply see you next week. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.